listening to Ping, a podcast by APNIC discussing all things related to measuring the internet. I'm your host, Robbie Mitchell. Today, I'm chatting with Anand Shah, Principal Architect at Edgecast, about the challenges with measuring video streaming quality of experience, which, as we'll discuss, provides some insights into how we need to not only improve the observability in the internet, but also how we develop the network to deliver low latency content in the future. Anand, welcome to Ping. Hey, Robbie. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, Anand, especially having featured on the APNIC blog several times already. So, while most of our listeners enjoy video streaming, not many may know the fundamentals, including the protocols that are used. Would you be able to give us an overview of these to begin with? Yeah, definitely. So, just to back up a little bit and look at the whole 30,000 foot view of how video streaming works, I'm going to also look at video performance from a very much, you know, keeping in line with the Ping podcast is looking at it from the network side, right? Especially how the Syrians perceive the video performance or like how do they monitor when they deliver video, right? So that's going to be the angle that mostly that I've been focused on and, you know, which I can walk you through. So to start with the most basic video protocols, right? The two most common ones we see are HLS and Dash. Let's say HLS came around 2008 or nine time right when we saw the decline of Flash, this came out of Apple. And then we also have the more open standard, which is MPEG Dash format. So those are really the two most common formats you'll see for video streaming. The other one that's up and coming is also WebRTC, which is mostly used for low latency streaming. And as we go forward with the world being a little bit more distributed, people working from home, video conferencing, we're gonna see the rise of those protocols as well. What's good about uh, specifically talking about HLS and Dash, the way they work is that once the source is acquired, which is, let's say you have a, for a live stream, you have a camera on field, you capture the video, that's the content, right? To be able to distribute that content over IP, over your streaming services, that video has to go to a cloud provider, right? Or an infrastructure which could also live on-prem. At that point, you get the video, and that's usually what you call as the encoding of the video, right? Uh, where, you, where the source file is then chopped into multiple pieces, and each piece is then encoded in different bit rates. And this is really the power of HLS and Dash, where you can then have those bits and pieces delivered as independent video segment delivered by the CDN. So now the video provider, in this case, has those video chunks. And then the CDN is able to acquire those video chunks or segments from the video provider. And the CDN can then deliver those video segments to the client once the request arrives. So the CDN doesn't do the segmentation, rather it's done by the video provider. Yes, more commonly that's the case. Now, it's possible that the CDN provider also is in the business of providing that service. But if you think of CDN just as from the context of caching, then the job of the CDN is to really just acquire the video segment from wherever it is, right? That could live within its own offering or it could live in some cloud provider or it could also be somewhere on-prem servers that the video hosting provider has. So from the delivery side of things, uh, the video segments are just bits that are acquired for caching. With various video providers doing the segmentation, does that cause a challenge with how the CDNs are tuned to deliver the video stream? particularly for third-party CDNs like the one you work for? Definitely. And I'm glad you point out that this is really the view of a third-party CDN here, right? So if you are a CDN, which is also in the business of either producing the video 
or acquiring the video by some user generated content then you kind of have the view from both the sides right you know where the video lives you know the performance to the cloud infrastructure where the video lives how to acquire it and what's the expected level of performance because it's something that you can repeat and it's your clients and you know what's the best service that they would expect out of their apps for a third party cdn it becomes a little challenging not only they may or may not have access to the video segments directly in which case they will fetch the video segments from wherever it is hosted more commonly a cloud provider so if you really look at the flow starting from where the video is acquired all the way to the video being played on the user device what you really have is the video going from the place where the video is captured to where the video is processed and encoded uh, finally making its way to the cdn right all the different chunks from the cdn where the user request would arrive it would go to uh, to either a peering point or an isp and now that isp has to successfully route it to the local region where the eyeball actually lives and then finally the segment arrives at your home device and then to your device which has the video player so in this whole segment as you can see this there could be latency in almost every step and how that latency is perceived is by rebuffering you measure rebuffering so that's the little buffering window that you see and most commonly like everyone including me the minute we see rebuffering we blame the network provider right oh my network is not good which may or may not be true right it's possible that your device is doing perfectly well your player is doing perfectly well and your own provider or your internet provider is doing what it's getting it's delivering the bits as fast as it can the delay actually lives all the way there over the video segments are ingested at the cdn so for a third party cdn which does not have access to the video neither does really own the player that's running on the client app it's impossible to know how the video is perceived how many times did the client rebuffer right to what degree uh, from all the rebufferings that were seen globally was it only concentrated in one region or was it distributed across different providers so those are like some of the really main challenges that video providers face right now especially from a third party cdn point of view that is quite a list of challenges and it highlights the various facets that can affect video quality particularly the various parts of the network We'll dig further into the concept of quality of service, but before we do, can you provide some insight into why it is so difficult to monitor the quality of video stream latency and delivery? Is it a case of trying to use old tools such as Syslog and SNMP to measure new applications and or adapting old methods to measure new points of interest? I guess what I'm trying to get at is, do we need to reevaluate how we monitor network performance when it comes to video? the reason why video performance monitoring is challenging is mainly because the player does a really good job of hiding that from you right so each layer has evolved independently by itself we used to have just pure web where you know you monitored versus log and snmp and rtt metrics were perfect they would give you an idea of how the cdn is able to push the bits to the client as fast as it can which was enough for the client side cuz all it was doing was capturing those bits and rendering it on a web page what happens now with a video stream is that you have another layer of abstraction sitting on the client right the video player so as the video segments start arriving into the player what a typical video player would do is that it will buffer it right and that's the little gray bar you see running ahead of your play time right so you the video player will already fetch all the video segments before you get to the point where you have to view it 
So what happens from the client point of view is the video may look good, right? Or in case where the video does suffer, both HLS and Dash would support adaptive bitrate. So in this case, the player would rather drop the bitrate, show you a little low quality video rather than having you buffer, which studies have shown that having rebuffering really impacts the user perceived degradation more than just reducing the quality a little bit. So from the CDN point of view, the bits are successfully delivered. And if you looked at the RTT, they might be fine, but you never know how the video player perceived it, right? Because the video player just asked for a lower bitrate and you delivered it successfully. So if you're just looking at the success rate of the CDN, that's actually 100%. You were asked for something and you delivered it pretty well. But why was the subsequent request for a lower quality video chunk rate? And answering that question, going to the root cause is extremely hard. I guess it's having those relationships with the player and the host of the original video, isn't it? And being able to understand where that breakdown is. Definitely. So it could be something that was delayed in the manifest generation. So manifest in this case is just the list of video segments that the player is supposed to download. So it's possible that the video provider had some outage or an issue or has the video manifest generation impacted itself, in which case the CDN will not even see the request arrive on time. And the CDN cannot do anything unless you're actually delivering the manifest file. It could also be that you just have a thousand tabs open, right? And you're doing a bunch of work on your laptop while you're trying to also watch a video, right? So your, your CPU is spiking up. And the fault completely lies on the user device end. So not just from a blame game point of view, but from a root cause analysis point of view, it becomes extremely hard to pinpoint and say, this is why I am seeing this video session suffer. So in such cases, it's really important to think of these issues at a macro level. So if you have one or two video sessions that are suffering in a region, that may or may not be a problem that the CDN can solve. But if you have 5% of your clients or if you have 10% of your clients that belong to the same network provider and all of them are showing a rebuffering issue, now either it's a, it's a problem with that network provider or it's a problem between you and that network provider, i.e. your peering link. So once we start looking at it from a macro standpoint, then it becomes relatively easier to at least use the elimination game and try to find out where the fault might lie. Let's return to the topic of quality of service and experience, which can be contentious given their subjectivity. You've touched on how there's various levels and players who have their own quality of service and quality experience metrics. You may only be able to comment from your perspective as a third-party CDN, but what are you normally measuring when it comes to video streaming quality of service and quality of experience? And has this changed much over the years? It has and it has not. So for a CDN, it's still super important to monitor your quality of service metrics. You want to be able to tell that your throughput performance is good. You want to be able to tell that the RTT to the end user device is low. That's the, that's the primary function that CDNs serve, that you are close to 95% of the population within 20 to 30 milliseconds. Like CDNs are built for that. And that RTT with more and more deeper peering is going to get only lower. So those metrics are still are still relevant. They are important to track your throughput, RTT retransmits, and some other system level metrics that you might want to monitor on the servers itself. So CDNs usually monitor the performance of their servers. Uh, how much load can they serve? For a third-party CDN, it's important to take into account the multiplicity of clients. So if one video customer is doing a large volume of traffic, 
always trying to make sure that that is not negatively impacting another video customer also trying to stream a video. So those metrics do serve as a good check that your baseline performance is still up to the mark. Your TLS performance is still up to the mark. You can still uh, perform the handshakes in an expected amount of time and things like that. But like I said, the video player and the layer on top adds another layer of complexity that is not visible to the CDN if you're just looking at the CDN data from a third-party perspective. And in this case, the experience, which is usually defined as how the client, the eyeball perceived it, is something that the CDN cannot generate because it doesn't have the eyeballs. What we've seen is the growth of more standardized metrics on the quality of experience monitoring. The primary one being rebuffering ratio, but there's also some other metric like startup delay, bitrate changes, video playback failure. These are important metrics that the players can export and the video providers do monitor that. In case of the video provider using multiple CDNs, these are the metrics that they want to see and understand, is the CDN performing up to the mark? Or, you know, CDN1 is performing better in North America, but it's not really doing that well in Europe, but CDN2 is doing well, and how do I balance traffic across them? The primary metric for them to be able to do that has become video rebuffering and video start failures. So that metric is not only important for performance monitoring, but it's also important for the video providers themselves to understand how they are delivering their service in different regions. So is there a standardized method that those video providers are using or is it very much case by case or video provider by video provider? And is it tailored to CDNs as well? It is not. Most video performance metrics, so if you are a video provider that writes your own layer, you might want to do your own custom method of tracking video performance. You know the video segment size that you're delivering. You know the bit rates. So you might want to be able to track more customized things from your own video player. So it's possible. Now, there are standardized ways how you would measure those. So the math of it exists, but how it's implemented and exported changes by each provider. What we've seen recently, though, is a standard emerge from the CTA group, which is called the Common Media Client Data, CMCD which really addresses the problem that we're talking about here, that the CDNs don't really know how the performance is seen, but the client is already talking to the CDN. It's fetching the video segments from the CDN. So why not just have the client report back the performance to the CDN itself? What happens traditionally is that the player would accumulate the performance metrics, and then it would send that off-band to either a third-party service that's only providing the service of collecting those video performance metrics, analyzing them, preparing dashboards, reporting rebuffering ratio. So instead of sending that video performance data off-band to a third-party service or even some internal tool that they've built, why not just send that back to the CDN? So if you fetched a video segment, you know the performance that you saw, you know the bitrate, you know the throughput, you know the amount of time it took to download it, or if the player suffered rebuffering, so you can calculate the rebuffering ratio as well. Did your video player starve, right? Did the, was there buffer starvation? You accumulate all those, and then in the subsequent request, you just send that back to the CDN, where the CDN can log it. So CMCD allows you to do that. It, it's, it's a very well-defined standard. Uh, we've seen some video providers already start using it. And the performance data in that case can come multiple ways. It can also be a part of the HTTP header, so just a new custom header. It could also be as a query string 
or you could just post it as a JSON payload. So as this challenge becomes more and more visible across the industry, we are seeing standards emerge. We may or may not see new standards come up, but it's nice to see that this problem is actively being addressed. And we are already seeing video providers who may use more than one CDN. Now, you don't want a custom solution for one CDN that doesn't work for another. So having a standard like CMCD really allows them to not only collect the data similarly to what they were doing before, but then have sort of this apples to apples comparison that now the format is same. I can consume them properly in my own system and then make the decisions that they want to. And for the CDN, it's also a win because the performance data is now finally visible to the CDN. You can just parse the logs and then for each video segment, you know what the performance was from the client side. That's good to hear. As you mentioned, video is becoming more and more the application of the internet. So having these standardized measuring tools totally makes sense to, as you say, be able to measure apples and apples instead of using all different types of tools and techniques and protocols. I'd like to turn now to a project that you presented at the Passive and Active Measurement Conference earlier this year that looked at video performance from the CDN you worked for. Can you walk us through this project and the key findings that you found from it? Definitely. So it stems from the same challenge that you cannot monitor the video performance. Uh, However, as with CMCD that we just talked about, any standard will take time and it may or may not be adopted similarly across different video providers. So what we really set out to answer is from the CDN logs that we already collect, what can we infer? How can we tell that a client or a video session did suffer rebuffering? And what can we do about it? And more importantly, from this metric, can we estimate that there was indeed a video performance degradation? And was that visible, at least in some ways, by the current state of the art, right? So whatever the video performance is, uh, video provider is using for monitoring their, their performance, be it third-party beacons or something that they have developed. If we were to develop something in-house and created a sort of estimation methodology, how closely will the methodology correlate with the metrics that the providers do already track? To do that, what we did was we started with the HTTP access logs that already the CDN logs, right? So one of the primary requirement was to basically not generate more traffic. Like the CDN already collects a bunch of metrics, thousands of metrics across the server, thousands of metrics that come from different parts of the CDN from different stack. So the goal is not to just have one more metric. The goal is to really try to estimate performance. Um, So we start off with something that we already have and we do collect, which is the access log. So every time the client generates a request, the CDN serves it and then uh, HTTP log entry is generated. Some providers have a really nice thing called a session ID, which essentially means that for each client, you can have a unique identifier and across all the logs, from your entire pop or wherever the video is served from, uh, you can stitch those requests together and then you have a sequence of requests that you receive from the same client, which is a session. For some video providers, you don't have that. So in those cases, you are able to just take the IP and the user agent and sort of hash them and use that as an estimation of a session ID. So that's a unique eyeball, that's a unique client. Of course, as you can already tell, uh, you know, natting would create some issues for this. Common user agents uh, exist a lot. But we did see that a huge amount of clients, uh, you can actually track their performance by using that. 
And this is not something that we are capturing in addition, right? Uh, so this is not really a concern because those metrics already exist in the CDN logs. Although we start with a video provider that does have a session ID, so then what we can do is take the session ID and stitch all the requests for each client that came over a time bin. So let's say if the time bin is five minutes or one minute, you collect those sessions and you create a sequence of requests. And we do know from the standard or we do know from information that's acquired from the video provider, what does one request denote? What does one video segment translate to in terms of seconds? So one segments may be, let's say, four seconds of video, right? Now the quality might change up or down, but that each segment represents four seconds of video. So then you can do a simple arithmetic here. If you receive three requests from the same session, then you know that you have delivered 12 seconds of video, which in turn means that the fourth request for that same session should arrive within 12 seconds. If it arrives at the 15th second, then you have only delivered 12 seconds of video. And since that T0, the 12 seconds have elapsed, which means the client must have buffered at least for three seconds. So you can do that at a large scale, but that creates a challenge. That would be very demanding, right? Exactly. So the next challenge we had to address was an engineering challenge here. How do you process, in some cases, millions of requests, millions of log points, and how do you stitch them? So this is where we really pushed out the compute out to the edge. So each POP, in this case, which is a set of service in its own data center, which has its own connectivity, we have a service running on each POP that collects the logs and then processes it locally, right? And by processing, I mean it does the stitching of all the requests that may have landed on different servers because of load balancing, right? So now you got to really collect them and then process them. And then we do the math that I just talked about that, you know, for each session, you see how many times were there cases where a player may or may not have received the next video in time. And then that really gives you the amount of time the player may have rebuffered. Now, there are some other metrics that we can also track, right? Because from the video segment, if it's encoded in the video name, you can tell what was the bit rate. Some providers do have that. They will have the quality also encoded in the name itself. So then you can look at the name and say, ah, I know that the first three requests were actually of higher quality, and then the fourth one was of lower quality. So what you can do is you can also count the number of bit rate drops. Then your good old CDN performance metrics are also super important the amount of time it took to deliver that video segment. Because it's the total time from the CDN to the client, it captures if there was congestion between the CDN and the ISP, or if there was like a routing problem with the ISP itself and things like that. So in which case you will see the total amount of time it took to download the video segment spike up for a bunch of clients if that provider is suffering or if that pop is suffering. So in that case, you'll have multiple clients which belong to different providers suffer, but they are all talking to the same pop. So in this case, you can do that stitching together. So we combine all these metrics in one metric called our QoE score. We take the rebuffering ratio that we just estimated. We take the time it took to deliver that object. Uh, we also take uh, bitrate drops and we take a few other things and we combine them in a linear fashion. And the reason we ended up choosing this linear combination is so you can easily tune the weights of it. Right now, what we have is equal weights to everything. But as we go forward and we decide whether we want to pay more attention to the estimated rebuffering 
or we want to pay more attention to some other metric, we can balance those. So once we have that linear combination, you end up with like a single QoE score that we can monitor. And we've had some considerable success in trying to correlate that to some of the third-party beaconing system that video providers use. So they will report video rebuffering from what the, what the player saw. Then what we do is we try to decompose the signal that we generated and what the beaconing system produced. Now, in general, you'll see that there are localized trends, but there are also trends that are more normal, diurnal trends. Right? You'll see that the rebuffering is in general higher because people just came back from office and now everyone's watching some video. So in general, the baseline for those congested periods will be higher. And this method that I just talked about is extremely good at detecting it. You will easily see the baseline change for that region. You hit, you hit the peak hour. So if you were to decompose that signal and you were to just look at how it looked at on a per hour basis, it matches almost exactly with what the third-party beaconing system reports. Then we decompose that into more localized changes. Right? Those are the really short frequency signals that you see. And in those cases, we were able to capture almost uh, with precision of 90% all the spikes that we did see in the beacon reported data with the estimated method. Now, there are some cases where some spikes or some degradations are reported in our estimations, but they are not reported by the video player or vice versa. And I think those differences will always exist right? because there is a visibility gap here that we are trying to bridge with half the information. But still, 90% is a very good estimation, in my opinion, from data that you already had. There's no additional data that we are generating here. For the amount of data that you're pouring through, there must be a lot of automation associated with this as well. Definitely. This is built on top of tools that we've built over the past decade or so. It's not that easy to consume CDN logs at that volume and then process them and then also expose the results out to a monitoring system that can consume the results that you produced uh, and can uh, report it to the people who actually care about it. So even though I just talked about the algorithm here, which is just the math of it, how we implement it, but the tooling existed. The CDN already had tooling to be able to fetch real-time logs. The CDN, CDN already has tooling to be able to expose metrics from the edge get it out to the back office and to be able to monitor it within, oh, within the order of a few minutes. So with the current implementation, we can do this live. And we've done this uh, very successfully for events like Super Bowl, where for live stream, we can actually generate a QoE score, monitor them, and then get it out to either the SRE team or the NOC who can keep an eye on it. That's really impressive. And I can imagine that live streaming is where you really need this real-time measurement to help you tune the network to overcome any troubleshooting issues. Can you provide some more insights into what actions your network engineers took based on this feedback? I don't know how much details I can go into that, but uh, in the paper, I do have a example from 2020 Super Bowl. And in that, while we were watching this QoE score spike up for some regions, we were able to quickly identify which pop is the one that's contributing the most. So you have the global score, and then you can also break it down by per pop. Because remember, we pushed out the compute to the edge. So we know which pop where the data is coming from. And we could see that the Seattle pop was really spiking up way higher than any other pop. And because this data was so real-time, our SRE team could easily jump in and see what are some other quality of service metrics that we do already have that we can take and understand what is the root cause of that spike. 
So remember, QoE score only tells you that there is a problem, right? There's still some work needed and that this is why I mentioned that quality of service metrics are still important. And in this particular case, what had happened is, well, because, you know, millions of clients, some of the servers were, were suffering and the CPU utilization was spiking, uh, which means that there was a degraded, uh, degraded state in which the web server could not read the video segments quickly enough from the disk and deliver it to the client. So the amount of time to do the root cause drastically reduced because immediately we could pinpoint to the CDN infrastructure that was suffering. Now, let's assume that we didn't have that. What would have happened is someone somewhere would have said, oh, we see degraded performance in the Pacific Northwest. Can you see what's happening? And then because the video provider doesn't really map to the CDN infrastructure, they have their regions that they've defined and they know the client IPs. So they may or may not be able to tell you the region, but they will not map it to the CDN infrastructure because they don't know. In which case, there is this game of trying to understand, oh, is it this pop? Is it that pop? Or is it behind this core router? Is it, or like, was it the server or was it the network, right? All sorts of questions, which take time, right? Like so far, we've been able to successfully do it, but the mean time to resolution is high. So with QoE score, what it does is that it gives you this additional dimension of not only looking at the client proceed performance, but also tying it very nicely to the CDN infrastructure. And I mean, overall, it's also looking at the health of the network as well, isn't it? Definitely. So similarly, when uh, while we were sort of developing this and the system was going live, this is also almost the same time when everybody started working from home and you know, COVID had, and we just saw the network utilization change drastically. So I was looking at how the QoE score has changed before and after the pandemic started. And while the baseline more or less remained the same, which really speaks to the fact and kudos to all the ISPs around the world that, you know, they really stepped up their game and most people could just go home and still do everything. So kudos to the internet infrastructure that we could scale up that fast and capacity was in most regions. There were some regions that had challenges in most regions it was not perceived as much as a problem. So the baseline from a QoE standpoint almost remained the same. There were some cases where we saw a spike and not, but there was more jitter in the data. So what that showed is that while we are theoretically able to support people working from home and watching videos and kids doing the school from home, while we are able to support all that in terms of bandwidth, the performance was still jittery. It was not stable. And I think there's some work that needs to be done in that domain. And that will only happen once CDN and network providers start looking at it from a quality of experience point of view. So it's looking at it holistically and working together towards how each segment is delivering content to the user as well as keeping each other accountable. Definitely. And I would like to see the industry go in that direction where content providers and CDNs and ISPs can really work together in sort of defining what you mean by performance and what do you define as a performance degradation? Because a small routing issue at the ISP will also cause rebuffering maybe in some region. And how do you translate that? Because then each one's KPI is different. For them, the latency didn't change. Everything looked fine. There was no big congestion. So maybe it's okay. But from a user standpoint, that did impact the CDN. So we need like more industry forums and people come together and sort of define those metrics How do we define performance and how do we communicate that with each other? At the same time, there's development on the protocol level, which is making it harder and harder. So you have more and more things getting encrypted, which is great. Uh, But we also need to, at the same time, understand 
once we see performance degradation, how do we communicate that? How do you monitor it? That's an interesting point about needing to balance security as well as observability from a network monitoring perspective, which is not just a challenge for video. Yeah. So we've talked about delivering video on demand and live video events. Does this also apply to other forms of real-time video, such as VoIP and online gaming as well? Conceptually, yes. Since that does fall under the broad category of monitoring video performance and monitoring performance, especially in terms of how the client perceives it. But we have to understand the context of it here. In this case, live video may or may not be exactly real-time. So you may want much smaller latency from an interactive video, from an interactive uh, game than from a live sports stream, which can take a few seconds of delay. But if you have that much delay for a game, people are going to get seasick. It's just not going to work. So when the requirements change, the way we monitor it also has to evolve with it. And when we're talking about milliseconds latency, in which the video needs to be consumed by the client or it loses its value, I think the best place to capture that is going to be from the client device itself. Uh, so those are some of the things that we might have to keep in mind as the industry goes forward, that we need to be able to support open standards that come out of these new devices, new interactive forms, right, with VR and AR and more interactive videos. How do we capture those things or even videos that vehicles will capture? How do you take that? How do you apply some sort of analysis that you need, whether that's object detection or trying to understand how a user interacts more with a particular placement of a thing in a video game. All those things will go hand in hand with how quickly you want to be able to analyze the performance. So in this case, I would say edge computing can come to the rescue a little bit, push out the compute and analysis of the metrics as close to the user as possible. The metrics coming out of the user device are going to be the most important here. CDNs can perform some estimations, but just estimating is one thing for a postmortem. But if you want the system to be more reactionary, if you want to be able to take more decisions based on the performance of the data, then the delay might be too much in those things. So yeah, I'd say that it really depends on the context in which the video is consumed. This question might be out of your wheelhouse, so don't feel that you need to answer it. But do you see CDNs, ISPs, and content providers moving towards a model whereby they direct traffic based on users' needs? Like with gaming, as you said, they need a connection with the lowest latency as possible, which isn't necessary for things like live or passive video. Is that the future of networking, where we create specific networks that are tuned for specific user needs, rather than trying to push out all this content from standardized levers that we can only pull and give an average performance? I think we're going to have to look for a healthy balance there. How many knobs you provide to different providers is also important to answer how much visibility you want to give them, because you may not. Do you want your CDN or network provider to really dive into what type of video you're consuming? Maybe, maybe not. And a lot of these questions will be answered with the, really the next generation of technology we're going to see with network slicing and 5G and those things. But from a content provider standpoint, you want to be able to get the bits as fast as possible to every user, out to all the ISPs. But you don't have infinite capacity. So there's going to be some, and I think this is more controlled from the provider itself. So let's say you're an app that has some interactive elements and also has some other sort of video elements, but they are not as interactive. You may or may, or may not want to work with your CDNs 
and sort of figure out what's the best delivery strategy, right? So CDNs may also deploy POPs that are of different styles. You may have servers that are deeply embedded within the ISPs. You may have servers that are very close to the clouds, but you also have some sort of metro data centers, right? They provide low latency, but they are not within the ISP, so there's an additional hub. So maybe the industry is kind of evolving in that fashion where the content provider and the CDNs will work together and try to really figure out where you want to serve that content from and what is the service level objective you want to achieve there. And if you have that interactive element that needs to be rendered quickly and served to the client, you, you may want to do it at a pop that is mostly embedded within the ISP of that client. And then performance monitoring of those as well will play an important role here. And how do you do it and where do you do it? From a CDN standpoint, I think it's going to come down to having much more deeper peering than we do today. Most CDNs. Most CDNs are connected to almost all the ISPs in the world. But there are cases where you do run into congestion. You do have hot circuits within, and you, you just run out of peering capacity, in which case you have no other option but to take a transit path or even sometimes an IXP path, which is mostly not preferred uh, to make sure the performance stays up. But as we start running into these challenges where you have applications that require lower and lower latency, your peering capacity and your transit capacity has to grow at that speed as well. And that has its own challenges, right? It's not just about putting more money in and buying bigger, fatter routers. Uh, it comes down to port capacity. It comes, comes down to maintenance of those. It comes down to stability of BGP sessions, everything. So it's a multifaceted problem in my opinion. Indeed, and no doubt requires plenty of cooperation to help streamline the network. Thanks so much for joining us on Pinganan and giving us a really nice overview, or as you said, a 30,000 feet perspective of the challenges with measuring video performance across the network, which in a way is providing a snapshot of future challenges for measuring the whole internet, as well as how we develop our networks to cope with the need for lower latency content. Thank you. One can try. <laughs> and thanks to those of you who have made it this far. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, please subscribe, write a review, and tell your colleagues about it. If you'd like to learn more about Anant's research, check out the link in the description below. He's also a somewhat regular contributor to the APNIC blog. Finally, if you've got a story or research to share, get in contact via email, ping at apnic.net, or our APNIC social media channels. And be sure to check out the APNIC website for all your resource and community needs. Until next time.